And he created you for a purpose. And you're, the Bible's so clear. One of my favorite passages, Acts 17 says, he created everybody so that they might search for him and find him. And then in him, we live and move and have our big, find out what was put on this earth for. I've told you the two great days of your life, your birthday, and then the, the day you find out what she's birthed for. Amen. Let's find out what was birthed for. And uh, let's see what it says. Now, now people, can, I'm amazed at the crazy language in our land today. When you decide, people say, well, I'm a church member. Great, congratulations. You know, I've, I've been converted, whatever. But the bottom line is, what did Jesus Christ call people to do? Did he call them to start going to church or quit cussing? Or what did he call them to do? Mark 1.17 says this. Mark 1.17, Jesus said to them, what? Two words, follow me. Follow me. What was he saying to them? Take your life and abandon it to me. I want you to live, live with me. And I want you to walk with me. I want, I want to take over your life. Uh, this ain't no swing by here and buy a ticket before the train comes through the gate. I want you to follow me. I want you to, I want to live your life. I want to live your life through me. And we're told to pray this prayer. We won't look at it, but you can look it up. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Jesus said, when you pray, say this. Our Father in heaven, praise your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And we're told to pray. We want your will on the earth. We want your kingdom plans in the earth. So we're told to follow Jesus, seek his kingdom plans. Now there, there's a problem there, isn't it? Let's go ahead and just be honest tonight. It's just us tonight. Let's be honest. What's the problem? I have a will and I have plans because there's this great verse that I made up says, I know the plans I have for me. And I got, all of us do. We all dream and think of, you know, I want to get married someday. I want to start a business. I want to get out of business. I want to, I want to, I want to stay home and let the government send me to whatever. Everybody's got these plans. Well, the problem is here's the big rub in life. It's not, am I going to be good or bad? That's not it. It's not, am I going to smoke or not smoke? Is it going to be my plans or his plans? It, it's, and it, good has nothing to do with it. I got good plans. I mean, nobody says, I hope my life sucks. But is it my plans or is it his plans? I want you to listen, look at what I show you tonight from scripture because everybody's got to make this decision. All right, I have, how many of you have plans for your own life? I do. I got a will. You know, we were raised, you know, to try, shoot for them, them graduation uh, uh, speeches, shoot for the stars, dream big, all that stuff. That's good. Does your father's got plans for your life too? Jeremiah, I quoted Jeremiah 29, 11 improperly. I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good, not for evil, to give you a future full of hope. Ephesians 2.10 is one of my favorites. It says this, we are the creation of God's hand. Created in Christ Jesus for good works which he prepared before time began that we should live our lives in them. There's a, he, didn't just, he didn't just want me to get saved. He wants me to walk with him and to experience his plans. Romans uh, chapter 8 verse 14 says this, as many as are led in life by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. Amen. So I'm not just supposed to get saved and then hang out around a church till Jesus gets back. I want to walk with him. And I want to find out what, what are your plans? What is it that you have for me to do? Now, let, let me just be real. Uh, the Bible, let me throw this on the side. The Bible speaks in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 of people who start, but they don't finish. You know, they, they get saved. They truly get saved, but they don't follow Jesus. They never find his plan for their lives. They just, they trust him as their savior. They get saved, but they, live, they might even live good life. They might even be preachers, but they really don't follow the father's plan for their lives. 
The Bible speaks about them. They lay the foundation of Jesus Christ, but they followed their own plans for their lives. And the Bible said on the latter day, they shall be saved. They're going to heaven, but you're going to miss out on a lot in this life. And you're going to miss out on some things in the next life too. And that's 1 Corinthians chapter 3 where it talks about this. Now let me just get gut level honest with you. Why would I in my heart of hearts, and you know in church we say the right thing. Why in my heart of hearts would I struggle with him? Why would I say, I'd really rather do what I want. I want to marry who I want to marry. How'd that work out? Never mind that. But I want to work where I want to work. I want to talk like I want to talk. I want to have, I want the hobbies I want to have. Why would I really press against him? Let me give you four reasons that we find from scripture. Number one is I, I just don't know any better. Maybe I went to one of those churches where they said, get, get born it again, born it again. And I got born it again. And that's it. That's all they ever talked about. So I just, I'm just hanging around waiting on Jesus to get back. Try not to cuss and, you know, give a little money once in a while. Well, you don't know any better. So you don't pursue his plans. Number two, I was taught wrong. Maybe I went to a church where they taught you this nonsense that, you know, if you follow Jesus, you've got to wear black dresses and put your hair in a bun and be in bondage. And you, know, you can't smile and you can't breathe and you can't dance. And, you, and they just painted God's will as the awfulest thing on earth. They're dumb as a brick. Did y'all see that sunset on that board? You don't think he who created that sunset can make a beautiful life? But maybe we've just been taught. A third reason is I might just be a stinking rebel. I shouldn't have said stinking. <laughs> sort of ugly, wasn't it? I might just be a rebel and just say, I want, I'm not going to do what he wants. I'm going to do what I want. I understand that. Do you know what the real, the big one is? Here's the big one. I really believe that I can do better for me than he can. I really think if I get to do what I want to do with my life, it'll be better than what he'd make me do. He'll stick me in Botswana, drilling water wells for pygmies. Well, if he did, you'd love it. Listen, if, you, if that sounds terrible to you, that ain't his will for your life. But we really struggle with this thing of, I, I want to do what I want to do, and I don't want to give up what I want to do for that. There's a deceiver in the land. Stay with me tonight. All right? If, if you should accept the assignment that says, I was put on this earth to find his will for my life and walk it out. If you should accept that. There's two ways you begin to do that. You, so you got to make a decision. We, somebody should write a song that goes like this. I have decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. And then what? No turning back. Once I get in this boat, I'm going to stay there. All right. If you ever decide, I really do want to find out what his plans are for this life. I, I want to find him out. I want to, I, want to, I want to see what he could do with this life. I've seen what I could do. I want to see what he could do. There's two parts to that from Scripture. And I, I want to major on one of them tonight to really help you. Of course, the first part is this. I have to buy a Bible. <laughs> Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And I have to make one big decision. It's this. I'm going to live by the Bible because the Bible is the will of the Father for me. Yes. Luke chapter 4 verse 4 says this. Man does not live by bread alone, but by he lives by the words that you find in the Bible, which come from the mouth of God. So I, I take the Bible as my roadmap for life. And I say, tell me how to talk to people. I'm going to find that in here. So I begin to search the Bible for how to live, how to treat my wife, how to do business, how to handle money, how to treat people, how to prioritize what's important in life, how to, how to, I begin to search the Bible for the secrets to life. Then what I do with them. 
I have to apply them. And I, the, I made up another saying. It goes like this. I have to become a doer of the word, not just a hearer. So, but I got, you can't do till you hear. So I got to hear the truth. Uh, and the truth says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And I just say, I don't want to. I, listen, you're not going to shock him if you tell him. He knows. But I have decided to follow Jesus. Help me. And you just apply the Bible to your life. And that's how you find the Father's will for your life. And let me, let me, let me go real deep here. He sees that. He looks into the heart of hearts and he sees a heart that says, I want to follow you. And I'm, I may not know everything. That's why we study the Bible. And, but, but listen, that's just the first part. I want to focus on the other part more than that tonight. The first part is I take the Bible being learned. I begin to seek him to follow his custom plan for me. That's not in the Bible and it won't apply to you. It just applies to me. Now, the Bible is very clear. We're not going to take time to look at it. But in Psalm 33, the Bible says this. He looks from heaven on all the sons of men. He fashions their hearts individually. He don't say just, oh, y'all go do this. He looks at each person and says, here's what I've got planned for you. He fashions their hearts individually. Here's here's the things I've planned for you. Now, how many of you, before you had kids years ago, you dreamed about them? Nobody, you know, my wife was pregnant. I didn't sit around saying, I hope they get on drugs. Hope I have to pay their way all their lives. Hope they live in the basement and play video games. <laughs> Nobody does that junk. You dream big for your kids. You know, you, you, you got, you just dream for your kids. Well, what do you think? Where do you think you got that from? We are created in the image of God who dreams big. He didn't have to put me here. He didn't really need my help. I didn't need my children to help me. We didn't have to have them. We wanted to have kids so we could be good to them, see them do well. He created people with plans. But I got to find that. I can't take your plan because that's not my plan. That's your plan. I want to find my plan for his life. And that's why I want to look at one great passage tonight about finding the plans of the Father for me. I want you to look at me in Philippians chapter 2. I cling to this verse. I've quoted it and loved it and chewed on it for years. I want you to hear this verse. We're going to look deep at it tonight. And I want you to go out of here believing that what he says is true. And I want you to find this. This is Philippians chapter 2. And it's the great revelation of what he's doing in you right now, even if you didn't know he was doing it. All right, Philippians chapter 2, we're going to look at two verses, but the primary one's the second verse. And he's talking, Philippians, I love the book of Philippians. It's the book of, some people call it the book of joy. But it's really the book of you find yourself in the center of his plans and you, your heart will overflow with joy. Amen. And he, but he found himself in a prison fixing to die, but this is the happiest man. You just squeeze the joy out of this book because he found the father's plans for his life and surrendered to him. There was, you can be saved and not be on the right track. We want to get saved, get on the right track. All right, Philippians 2, two verses. Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's a terrible translation. The wording is, is uh, I don't even like the way it looks in there, but I want you to listen to what he says. Even though I'm not with you now, what does work out your salvation mean? That sounds to me like you've got to earn your salvation, doesn't it? Well, you know better than that. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's the gift of God. What does it mean work out your salvation? Finish what you started. He saved you for a purpose. Run it all the way out. 
Now, the fear and trembling, don't do that. It should read excitement and awe. Yes. My kids never got up every day scared that daddy was going to get them if they didn't do right. I told my kids, let's dream big. And we, we look big for them. He's he saying, listen, I want you to get excited about my plans for you, but stay with me and finish what we started. Let's finish, work it all the way out. And then here's the great verse we're going to look at tonight. It is God who is working in you, both to will and to do or work for his good pleasure. I'm going to tell you something. This te- here's the great revelation. God is very active in your life right now. Yes. Yes. You say, well, how come it's, I don't see him, I pray, nothing happens. Then was listen to me. Quit living out of your mind. Start living out of the word of God. Yeah. Tell me what that verse says. God is working in you. Amen. And sometimes the misery is him working in us <laughs> to get us on the right track. But it's the father, listen to me, the father is always working in your life. Yeah. You say, I'm, I have blown it. I'm running from him. He's working. Yeah. If a man has a hundred sheep and loses one, what does he do? He don't write them off. He'll go after them. Yeah. I don't care if you have, I don't care if you've given him the finger and cussed him. He's chasing you. Yeah. And if you, if you are trying to walk with him, he's working with you. There was, God is working in your life. He's very active in your life to do, to, now what are the two things he's doing? To will and to work for his plans and his pleasure. We're going to look at will and work tonight. And there's two parts to that. He's working before he wants to bring his will to pass in your life. What does he do before he tries to bring his will into your life? He wills his will into your life. All right. I love this right here. God's working to will. Let me say it this way. Before he ever brings you into his will, he will cause you to want to do it. He's working to cause you to desire what he wants for you. Please listen to the scripture. Listen to your preacher. Listen to Rhonda. Listen to somebody. Listen to the Bible. If you're doing God's will and you can't stand it, you are not doing God's will. Uh, You're just not doing it. I don't care what some preacher told you. I'm going to show you in a little bit. I delight to do your will. And if you're in this, I hate this job. I hate this thing. I hate going to this church. I hate being a preacher. I hate something's wrong, Bubba. You're not in the center of his will. You stuck in the exit lanes where you stuck. Dear ones, if it is his will, you will want to do it. What do you think it means? God is working. Listen, finish what he started. He's working in you to will first. All right, I'm going to show you from scripture how he works in you to will. Let's turn with me to Hebrews chapter 8. We're going to swing around back to Philippians 2 several times, but... I want you to see something in Hebrews chapter 8. Let me make an announcement. The old covenant has expired. Get out of the old covenant. Under the old covenant, if you behaved, he blessed you. That covenant's gone. We're under a new covenant based on better promises built on the blood of Christ. There's a new covenant. I got so many preacher friends still preaching out of the old covenant. We're under a new covenant. And here, under the old covenant, he said, keep these 10 commandments, I'll bless you. That didn't work. So he, he brought a new covenant in, and here it is. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10 says this. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. By the way, that's you. We don't have time, but we'll look. you want to look at it. Romans chapter 2. If you are a born-again child of God, you are of the house of Israel now. He is not a Jew who is one outwardly. He is a Jew who is one inwardly whose heart has been circumcised. That's why I have an American flag and an Israeli flag behind my desk. I'm an Israeli citizen. All right, the Bible said this. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel in that day, 810. 
After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Now, laws don't think of Ten Commandments. Laws there means plans, ways, will. But what do you say he's going to do with it? What's he going to do with it? Is he going to hand it to you on a piece of paper? That's the old covenant. On this new covenant, what does he do? I'm going to write it in their hearts, which means what? I'm going to create a desire in you to want what I want you to do. To write something in somebody's heart is to cause them to desire it and to cause them to want it and to get excited about it. Under the new covenant, under the old covenant, he gave you commandments and you had to keep them. What was the problem? My heart didn't want to keep them. That's where it didn't work. What's the new covenant? I'm going to write what I want on your heart. And before I even ask you to do it, I'm going to cause you to love it. I'm going to give you the desires in your heart. Turn the page to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. Hebrews 10, 16 says this. This is the covenant I will make with them. You know what covenant means, don't you? Contract. We have a contract covenant. Keep, you understand contracts. He's, somebody signs a contract, you in it. Well, this is the contract he's made with humanity, or we call it covenant. Verse 16, this is the covenant I'll make with them after those days. I will put my plans in their hearts and in their what? Minds, I will write them. Amen. I'm going to put stuff in your heart. I'm going to cause you to want it. We won't take time to look at it, but make a note of this if you want to look at it sometime. Nehemiah chapter, well, the book of Nehemiah, a man had a good government job. He was well paid. He was way up in the government. I mean, he had life so good, but all of a sudden his heart began to change and he began to have different, he was just so happy. And all of a sudden something happened. His heart began to turn. And the Bible said his heart just kept turning and turning to a new, a whole new life. And then in chapter 2, verse 12, he said this, I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. God didn't send him a telegram and say, go down there and help them people. He started in his heart first and caused him to want to do it. And by the time he got done working in his heart, Nehemiah would have paid to get to do God's will. He starts in your heart. He don't say, you know, give up all this nice stuff and move to the Amazon and float the river. You know, talk to short people. I don't know what you do down there. He didn't do that. He, where does he start? Heart. All of a sudden, you, you just find yourself going, man, I, I wish I could do that. That's him. God is working in you not to do his will, first to will his will. He's going to give you a desire to do his will. All right, look at some of the neatest verses that back this up in Scripture. Turn to Psalm 37.4. You need to write these on. I carry these on cards and just look at them over and over. Write these on cards. We're going to teach you on cards Sunday. The secret to life is to have a bunch of cards in your pocket. Amen. That's what it means. My son, attend to my word. Keep them ever before your eyes. All right, this is one of the greatest problems. I've heard preachers, let me tell you what I've heard preachers say that is absolutely unscriptural. I've heard them say this. Now, God never promised to meet your desires. He just promised to meet your needs. He never said he'd give you what you wanted. Where, where the school did you go to and what Bible are you reading from? You need to get rid of that ogre God and get you the God of the Bible, the father of the Bible. You say, well, Brother Brown, I heard that growing up. Well, let's just open the Bible and see what it says. What do you think? Psalm 37, 4, look at this. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. What does that tell you right there? I'm telling you, he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, the question often arises out of this because of the tense. 
Does that mean that he'll put desires in your heart, give you desires? Or does it mean he'll give you the desires that are in your heart already? What's the answer? Yes. That's what it means. I will write my, my laws, my plans on their hearts. Before he shows you what his will is, he's going to start a desire for it down here. And he will give you the desires of your heart. I, I had a little, I'll just give you an example. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. I had a little girl a while back. I met her and I, I meet, I see this over her. She's maybe 19, 20 years old. And you know what? People always ask him at that age, what you going to do? You notice how they never ask people like me at my age, what you going to do? They ask you, what did you do? That's what the question is. I just, but I just said, sweetheart, what, what's your plan? What you going to do? And she was almost embarrassed to tell me. I could tell she was bothered by it. She said, well, she said, I, I just, I just want to get married and have a family and live on a farm. I said, hooray for you. How time somebody in this land got some sense. And I told her, I said, that's God. She said, that's all I, she said, everybody's mad at me. She's a very smart student. Everybody's mad at me for not going to college. She said, all I want to do is be a wife and a mama and collect eggs from my chickens. What's wrong with that? You know why she's like that? Guess who put that in there? God put that in her heart. You say, I ain't going to be on no stinking farm with a bunch of youngins. Well, then that's not his will for your life. You say, I want, to be on, I want to be on the 54th floor of Manhattan. God bless you and whoever's going, but I ain't going. It was, he fashions their hearts into it. But you know what? This, she really loved God. She sought him. He put that in her heart. Guess what he's going to do? To will and then to work. He's going to bring it to pass. Now, Psalm 37, 4 is that great verse. You delight yourself in the Lord. You will find what your heart's looking for. Let me tell you wrong with my nation right now. See if you don't agree with the Bible. We are the most, uh, what's the word? Dissatisfied people in this nation. Even Mr. Mr. Gallup, the pollster, he, he shows us in his polls. How can we be dissatisfied today? Because we've got cell phones that'll reach Pluto. I might, we've got... What do we not have? Let me tell you what we don't have. Psalm 106, 15 says this. He gave them what they wanted, but their hearts were empty. He gave them what they wanted, but their hearts... Listen to me. He who created your heart is the only one who can satisfy it. All the money, all the accomplishment, the corner office, that can never satisfy the desires of your heart. And the Bible said this, you delight yourself in him, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Turn the page to Psalm 40. This is one of my other favorite ones in this regard. Psalm 40 says this, verse 8. I delight to do your will, O God. He said, man, I wish that was me. Please quit acting like this. Read the Bible, friend. You delight to do his will. You say, well, I do what the preacher says and it sucks. Then he's not telling you what the Father's will is. We got to start reading the Bible like it's true. Do as I do. I love the will of God. I don't just love it. I delight in it. If you have to grit your teeth, that ain't it. I delight in the will of God. And look what it says after that. I delight in the will of God. Your will, O oh God, your law, your plans are in my heart. He created your heart. He has the ability to fashion your heart and put what he wants inside of you. And listen to me. Only he can bring it to pass. But before he's going to bring it to pass, he's going to work in your heart to get you to want it. This is how we find the will of the Father as we begin to seek him and do that. Let me quote a few more of my favorites. I love Romans 7, 22 that says this. I delight in the plans of God in my inner man, my heart. Yeah. Uh, you'd crawl across broken glass to get his plans for you. 
I said, man, I've been going to church all my life. I, I, don't, I don't think y'all got very good lives. I'd probably agree with that. But it was what you see in church does not negate what the Bible clearly teaches. He said, my next door neighbor's a deacon. I wouldn't have his life for nothing. Well, neither would I. Get off the deacon, get in the Bible. Go to the Father. And then one of my, listen to this. Uh, one of the, um, everybody's looking for something to make them happy. This nation was founded on the pursuit of happiness. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. And I, people, you know, women say, I'm going to try to find a man that makes you happy. Gosh almighty, listen to me. Marriage is a bring your own happiness bash. You're going to, a man can't even make himself happy. You think he's going to make you happy? Listen to me. This is so clear. In John chapter 4, Jesus was hungry. The disciples went to get food. He's off duty at the moment. He's tired. The Bible said he's tired. He walks over to the town slut. She's a hussy. And he just starts talking to her and he says to her, you drink this water, you'll thirst again. Drink the water I give you, you'll never thirst. He was not talking about H2O. What he said was this, the lifestyle you're pursuing will never bring happiness to your heart. Follow me, you'll find what your heart's looking for. Isn't that a good way to talk to people instead of telling them, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You're going to hell. Well, boy, that's good news that brings great joy. How did Jesus talk to people? He started at heart level. He said, you're never going to find what you're looking for living like this. Follow me and you'll find what you're looking for. Well, the disciples, the boys in the band, they came up. They found him talking to a woman. They fell all over themselves. You know, what's this going to look like if he gets out in the Alamance News? Here's Jesus talking to the town slut by his Don't put your spouse phone up. Don't take a picture. They're scared that somebody's going to find out. He wasn't bothered the least bit. He loves people. And uh, they said, Master, we, uh, it's time to eat. It's time to eat. They're trying to get him away from this woman before some photographer got a picture of him with her. He turned and he said, I got food to eat you know nothing about. And now they're looking for bags. <laughs> Clueless. You know what he said right there? My, and then he said this, my food is to do the will of my father. That which fills me up and makes me content is to do what my father wants me doing. Ones, please listen to the Bible. Your food is to do the will of your father. If you ever find the will of God for your life, and, and you, it's not one big deal. It's a daily, this is it today. You begin to walk in his plans for your life. You're just going to go, this, is, this feeds me. Let me make an announcement. He is good. He didn't put you on this earth to suffer so you can pay for heaven someday. His son paid for heaven at the cross. He put you here to enjoy your life. I don't, I don't know why we don't get back to this stuff. But the Bible is very clear. He plants dreams in people's hearts. Read your Bible. Go from Genesis to Revelation. Put a dream in Joseph's heart. He put a dream in Nehemiah's heart. I told you. I, didn't tell, I told no one what God put in my heart to do. He puts dreams in people's hearts. He puts ideas in people's minds. I will put my laws in their mind. I'll put them in their mind and their hearts also. He gives plans to people. All right. Now, I'm going to go back to Philippians 2. Turn back to Philippians 2 because I, I want you to come out here knowing this one verse tonight. And I want you to get it at heart level. Verse 12 said this, stay with him. If you're following Jesus, stay with him. And here's why. In verse 13, because he is working in you to will to get you to desire it. And then what does he do? To bring it to pass. To will and to do for his good will. So after he gets you wanting to do it, guess what he does? He just, there it is. He starts causing it to happen. 
And let me tell you how he begins to work in your life. He, he, he puts these, as you walk with him, these desires come in here. And these, oh, I'd love to do that. Or wouldn't that be great? Or wouldn't you dream? I got a note from a fellow today. He was a wonderful young man. He's, I don't know, early, mid-20s by now maybe. Still maybe 23 or 4. Wonderful young man. His life was ruined. He got on a crack bad. He just, it was, a, it was horrible. He got in trouble with the law. He's still in trouble with the law. Got a lot of stuff in front of him to deal with. But he got at a, a rehab facility in Virginia. He's doing great. I've, I've been talking to him and he's just, you can just tell this ain't no jailhouse religion. He's really doing good. And you, can, you see the happiness has come back and there's a passion and he's excited now. So I was talking to him earlier today and he sent me a, a note. He said, uh, I'm just so excited. I said, I want to find, I want to stay here. I've got to find God's will for my life and I've got to fulfill it. I've got to do what he's called me to do. Well, it wasn't long ago he was in the, in the streets. But God was working in him to, to cause him to want to do something with his life besides waste it in the gutter. And now the father's going to start, he started fixing things for him. All right, let me tell you some ways that he works in you. Number one, he begins to open doors. Revelation 3.8, behold, I set before you an open door. You'd be, you be surprised that the, once, you, once you say, thy will be done and you miss, I just want your plans. Mine are in the garbage. I want your plans. He begins to put desires in your heart. You'd be surprised at the people you'll meet accidentally. And he put them out there. That's why he told you, pray this for your children. Put laborers in the field that they'll cross their paths. You'll, you'll meet opportunities. People call you and say, you ever thought about this? But he will open doors for you at your opportunities and then you begin to walk in his plans for your life. And let me tell you what happened. This is the big one. If it's his will, he'll give you grace to do it. There's grace for his will. If you're having to, you say it's hard, it's tough, but I got to keep going. You're not in his will. There is grace for every good work. Make a note of this. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 is where the Bible teaches. If it's his will, he gives you grace to do it. Yep. I've never sent my children to the store and get, said, get me something that I didn't pay for it. If it's his will, he'll give you great. Now, here's what I mean by grace. He'll give you the wisdom to know how to do it well. You just, what does he say? I'll put it in their minds. You'll know what to do. You'll be good at it. I had a friend years ago and and God put him in the sales business. And within one year, he was the top salesman in the company. And the folks asked him, you you don't go to all this training we go to. How How do you do this? He said, I can't tell them God tells me what to do. They won't believe it. Let me make an announcement. God knows how to sell stuff. Wisdom is the ability to live life skillfully. He gives you wisdom. If he's called you to be married and you surrender your marriage to him, he'll show you how to do it. Somebody needs to help us down here in this area. He he gives you wisdom. Number two, he gives you the ability. Grace is when he gives you the ability. If any man does it, let him do it with the ability, the power which God supplies. He He gives you the gifts to do it. You know, if he's called you to preach and you can't speak when you stand up, somebody missed something somewhere, either you or he did. I had a fellow in my, gosh, I shouldn't tell this. Years, years, years ago, I'm young, starting, I didn't know no better. I had a fellow in my church. He, if you brought your billy goat to see him, the horns would fall off before he got done. Y'all don't remember that, do you? Grandma used to say he talked the horns off a of billy goat. I mean, he, that boy never shut his mouth. He, you had to have a bookmark to get a word in if he was around. I'm just bottom line. And he told me, he said, God's called me to preach and I'm, I'm ready to preach. And I said, well, I hope they got a while. I said, this is going to be wonderful. He's almost as bad as I am. And, uh, and one of the, my deacons said, well, why don't you let him preach one Sunday? And I said, you sure? 
I said, let's do it on Sunday night. Let's start out at the lower rink down there. And uh, I mean, he, he ran his mouth constantly. Y'all think I'm being ugly. I ought to have my wife stand up and say, yeah, he was. Yeah, let me tell you the deal. So I lined him up one Sunday night to preach. I, he get, I introduced him. He got up there. He was froze. I can just see him right now. He just stood there and looked out. He finally, I thought, somebody's giving him heroin before we got up there. He finally stuttered a few words out and said, amen, sat down. And looked like he'd seen, and I thought, what is this? I had to tell him, you might be called to do a lot of things. You might be called to test drive telephones, but you ain't called to preach. I'll tell you that right now. There's no, God didn't give you the ability. There's no grace to it. If he's called you to do it, he'll give you the gift. He'll give you the energy. Because we've got to believe that those who wait upon the Lord will renew this. There's energy in this thing. And now listen to me carefully. He'll provide the resources. The money will be there. I'm telling you, he paves the way. That's what it means. He gives grace. When you're in his will, he gives you grace to do it. If you're having to struggle and fight and you hate it, something is wrong. We're not in the center of his will. It it doesn't matter what area it is. And let me say, all right, number one, he opens doors. If you find his plans, he'll open doors for you. You don't have to kick doors down. He gives you grace to do it. It'll be his ability. And number three, his yoke is easy. Well, that's a verse for this generation right now. Come to me, those of you that are just worn out, labor heavy laden. I give you, take my yoke upon you. There was yoke doesn't mean get saved. Yoke means walk right beside me. All right, listen to this. Take my yoke upon me, upon you. Learn from me. Let me show you what to do. Let me show you how to walk. All right, you know what a yoke is? If you're not familiar, years ago you had a yoke. And a yoke was a wooden, huge wooden beam. It had two grooves carved in it. And it went over the necks of two oxen. And there was a wooden horseshoe looking thing that went up under their necks. And this was called a yoke of oxen. It was two of them. And the two of them pulled the load together. We still see that in South America. I mean, uh, Latin America from down there. Well, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. What does that mean? I'm in one side of it. You get in the other side. You got to be that close to me. And we're going to do this together. Take my yoke upon you. And this is what he said. You'll find rest for your souls. You'll find healing and restoration. Jesus don't wear people out. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He restores my soul. And listen to what he said. My yoke is easy and my burden's light. I've known people through the years and I, I could not imagine how they accomplished what they did. And they weren't worn out by it. And I just get, there's only one answer. God's in this. Hand of God's on this thing. That's right. I, we, we met a little girl. I, a little girl to me is 35 years old. Met a little girl not longer. We're going to start partnering with her. She runs this, she, her and her husband run a business. She runs this tremendous ministry to help young girls. And she homeschools five children on top of that. And I thought, when do you breathe, sunshine? She's not stressed. She just, you know why? God's hands on her. And he's given her grace. And that yoke is easy. And you, listen, when you get in his plans, you begin to walk in his will, you just, you say, he's in this. You just know his hand's on me, he's in this, and it's wonderful, and, it, and it's great. Now listen, I want you to seek his will for your life. There's no greater thing can happen to you than to be in the center of his will. Uh, there's an old song we used to sing years ago, God bless the broken road that led me straight to you. Well, let me tell you, finding the will of God for your life is people keep me in the center of your will. It's more like the broken road where we sort of go in and out and then one day we decide, you know what? Thy will be done and find it. Right, now let me talk to you about his will for your life. And I keep, wanting, I keep thinking I need to say this. 
you're not going to have to go to Botswana. He said, I want to go. Well, then you're going. You can't emphasize enough, I delight to do your will. All right, let me give you some unknown Bible truths about his will. We've got to get the God of life out of the church house. He's not just interested in what you do in this building. He's the God of life. Who do you think created romance? Who do you think thought that man and woman together thing up? Who created occupation and vocation? Who created everything? That's why the Bible said, I'm going to quote again, Acts 17, we search for him and find him. And then in him, we live and move and have our being. He wants to be in every area of our life, family life, recreational life, everything. All right, let me tell you some things about the plans of God for your life. His number one will for your life is that you get to know him as a father and enjoy him as a father. I don't mean go to church and get fussed at and feel bad because you cussed last week. What kind of, we got to do better than that. Did y'all see that sunset? We can do better than that. He wants you to know him as a father. Of all the things I wanted my children to do, I wanted them to talk to me. I wanted to enjoy my children. He created you to enjoy you. And I, I, you can, you say, well, there was us all through scripture. He's looking for somebody to talk to. I showed you Genesis 2 where he created people and then he wanted to talk to them. And the first thing that sin did was they quit talking to him and he said, where are you? We're supposed to be talking to each other. And of course, my favorite is Luke chapter 15 where the prodigal, some people call it the parable of the prodigal son. I think it was the parable of the stupid brother. (laughs) You had a quote prodigal son. Then you had a religious brother. Neither one of them were doing the will of the father. One was in church every time the door was open. The other was in the whorehouse every time the door was open. Both of them missed it. Can't you see it? What did the father want? He just wanted somebody to come in and eat with him. He said, celebrate with me. Did you ever notice in that passage, the older brother kept every commandment worked for him. The Bible said the father went out and pleaded with him to do what? Would you just come inside here and talk to me? He wants to be a father to you. He wants you to enjoy him and he wants to enjoy you. When we get married, we're we're described as the bride of Christ. When we get married, there's clothes to be washed. There's houses to be cleaned. There's jobs to be done. There's dinners, lunches to be packed. There's dishes to be washed. There's vomit to clean up the first two years when a child's born. Yada, yada, all that stuff. That's not why you got married. You got married to enjoy a friend. Sometimes we let the cart run over the horse, don't we? But the deal is he created you to enjoy you. His, perfect, his best plan for your life is not that you be a missionary or a preacher or whatever, or wear them funky dresses. His best plan for your life is get to know him personally and enjoy him as a friend. Number two, family. He's big. Family is his thing. That's why he said that passage in Jeremiah 29, 11, it starts like this. Marry yourselves wives. Have children. Build houses. Live in them. Plant vineyards and enjoy them. Do family. He is all about family. One of my favorite verses, I was reading it on the way over here. He puts the lonely in a family. He wants people to do family. And uh, boy, that's why family is so train wrecked. Satan hates family because God loves family so much. He hates marriage because marriage is the picture of Christ. That's why he works so hard against But he wants you to do family. And, and we should, families are not a burden, they're a blessing. They're a joy. Let me tell you something, children are not a pain in the butt. I can't, I'm sorry. Children are not an aggravation. Psalm 127, behold, children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward to you. We've got to go back to doing family his way so it can be a delight instead of an aggravation. 
But he wants you to have a family. Let me throw some other friends. You notice in the Bible, he's always bringing people into relationship. He created people for relationship. Now, there's times you need to be alone with him, but you need friends in your life. You need people that you are close to, that you can love dearly. I understand from counselors today and even from Gallup polls, we're suffering a crisis of loneliness in this nation. How can you be lonely? There's 332 million of us on this piece of dirt. How can you be lonely? You can be lonely in a crowd of people. You can be lonely sharing a bed with somebody. Because loneliness is not proximity to a human body. It's heart connection. It's this friend, dear friend. He created you to have. He created your heart to long for friendships. I will write my desires in their hearts. How many people have told me, I just wish I had one good friend. Who put that in there? Seek his face. Say, I, I want your will for my life. He puts the desire in there. And then guess what he does? He brings people in there. Family's his thing. I know that's church family. We got to get back to church the way the Bible said to do it. It's become this formal show where people dress up and yeah, we're going to dress up here. My goodness. But it's become this production where we go for an hour, yada, yada. That's not church. Let me tell you church is. Church is where a family learns to love each other and care for each other. What does the Bible describe church? First Timothy 5, 1 says this. In the church, the older men are your fathers. The younger men are your brothers. The older women are your mothers and treat the younger women as sisters and any throat in for good measure with all purity. Don't be hitting on your sister. It's a good idea. Dear ones, it's supposed to be a family. Listen to what the Bible says. The father places people in a family as he desires that they might take care of one another. That's church. It's not a production. It's where people come together and find family. And, and you need to say, that's what I want right there. Right, let me go a little further here. Your vocation is very important to him. We have fallen for the American lie that vocation is all about making the most money. Have we been deceived or what? We've never made more money and we've never been more dissatisfied. Now, vocation is not for money, although you need to work to supply. Now, listen, I'm, the Bible's brutal when it comes to work. I guarantee you, the socialist party that's in control in America right now, they despise the Bible because it says, if a man will not work, do not let him eat. I, I didn't say that. Don't send me no email. Send it to heaven. He's the one that wrote it. But it's not because he's being hard to get along with. He created your heart to enjoy the accomplishment of working hard. We're going to get back to hard work again. But let me tell you something about vocation. Vocation was not supposed to be miserable. It's supposed to be enjoyed. Sin is what turned vocation into misery. But the book of Ecclesiastes says, I, look, this, I love the book. We're talking about this is the big deal in life. And it says this, you're to delight in the labor of your hands. Yeah. All right, many people take a job because it pays a lot. Don't do that. Oh, don't, don't chase the money. You can be rich and be miserable. Right. Be poor and be happy. Now, if you can be rich and be happy, God bless you, help yourself. But pursue something that meets needs and fulfills your heart. A vocation. Now, one of my, uh, I'll just give you an example. I have a son who's uh, smart, finished first in his class at NC State, got a nice job in a fancy office. His office sat on Emerald Isle Beach, which is a good place to have an office. And he had it made. They loved him. He, he could have taken off, yada, yada, yada. But he was miserable sitting in there in that office. And he decided that, and I, I, he made the right decision. He decided, I'm going I'm to give this up and I'm going to go to work working as a carpenter with my hands. Well, see, natural wisdom says, oh, that, that's stupid. You won't make the money. You won't get promoted. You won't have all the stuff. But you know what he does have? He loves it. Yeah. 
He enjoys it every day. And, and the deal is, we got this thing in America, people, they have what we call a lower job. They're ashamed to say it. What? Turn with me to Exodus 31. Let me show you about jobs. Some people turn to the book of Job to find a job, but Exodus 31 is where it's really at. All right. He, he, has, he has built you and built your heart for a certain vocation. Are you with me? And so many people, I recently I saw 60% of Americans are dissatisfied in their work. That's what you do most of your waking hours. You're dissatisfied with what you do with most of your time. People are dissatisfied because they're in the wrong vocation. He, he created your heart for a certain vocation. Now you put me doing certain things, somebody's going to get hurt. You put me teaching kindergarten, I'd be in jail by dark. I'm putting up that crap. Just certain things I'm not, and you don't let me see sunlight, I'd be in the grave by dark. You say, well, I love that. Well, that, that means we're different. He crafted your heart for a certain vocation. Find out what he wants you doing for a living, and you'll enjoy it. Let me make an announcement. You can't eat but one biscuit at a time anyway. I buy all my clothes at Tractor Supply. You'll find something to wear. <laughs> Exodus 31. We, we're nuts. Exodus 31. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel. Stop right there. God said, I've called this man. What do you think he called him to do? Read verse 3. I've filled him with the Spirit of God. Now just stop right there. When you think of a man that God has called and filled with his Spirit, what do you think he wants him doing? So he's going to preach, be a prophet. Watch this. Verse 3, I filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and all manner of workmanship, craftsmanship. Verse 4, to design artistic works, to work in gold, silver, bronze, cutting jewels, in carving wood, to work in all manner of workmanship. God said, I've called this man. I've filled him with the Spirit to do what? Carpentry work, artistic work, metal smithing. It was, he has crafted a vocation for you. Find out what he wants you doing for your vocation and get in the middle of it and you'll love it. Uh, now, you know, different people call for different things. I love what I'm doing. Okay. I, I mean, recent survey, 50 plus percent of preachers said I would quit tomorrow if I could. Oh. Well, quit and send them over here. I love what I'm doing. You say, well, why are you retiring? I'm not quitting what I'm doing. I'm just leaving y'all. <laughs> Maybe. Here's the deal. Now listen, my sweetheart, whom I'm married to, she has found the will of God for her life yeah. in vocation. She's a kindergarten teacher. She eats it. She could have retired. You know, she was with the public schools. Now she's with our private school. She fires out to bed every morning at five o'clock, excited about going and seeing them little snotty nose stinkers. And they rub their nose on her britches and they, they poop. And it's just nasty. She eats that stuff. I mean, she loves that kind of stuff. I'd, I'd say, sit up straight. <laughs> Do you know what? God fashioned her for that. She's found his plan for her life, vocation. See, we think of the will of God. Well, I'm going to be a preacher. We got enough of them. Probably got more than you need here. And when then everybody says, I want this high paying job. Get the job that your heart is crafted for. Find his will for your life. Go back and watch the Emmett Becomes an Insurance Salesman episode on Andy Griffiths, one of the most prophetic Andy Griffiths ever shown. And it goes on to show this. Listen, I got, I got friends that are farmers. You know what a farmer is? That's somebody who makes no money but affords a brand new pickup truck every year. I've never understood that. 
But farmers, they work 14 hours a day out in the sun. They make $20 a week and they, they love it. You know why? God built them to till the earth. They found their place. Now I know some people that are happy in offices. He made you for that then. Do not spend your life doing something he didn't create you to do. Find your plan for his life. I got preachers that hate it. They're out of his will. Something's wrong. He, he crafts you vocationally. Now, let me tell you three things the Bible says about vocation. Number one is to be enjoyed. I'm not going to take the time, but I can show you many places where he said you're to delight in your work. It is to be fulfilling. Number two is to be fulfilling. You're supposed to take delight in your work. That's why I remember a day when an American, American people were proud of their job. They wanted to tell you, this is what I did. You know, work with their hands or whatnot. And then number three, the Bible said, I will make them fruitful in their work. You should be good at what you do. You should be fruitful in your, if you're a teacher, kids should do well when they're under you. If you're a preacher, somebody needs to get saved once in a while. People need to grow. You know, if you're a bus driver, you need to keep them running over stuff, whatever. But you should be fruitful and provide for yourself through your work. All right, let me go a little bit further. Vocation, he has a will for your vocation. All right, listen, we need a balanced life. America's out of balance. He wants you to have some hobbies. You say, what's this got to do with God? He is the God of life. And I guarantee you, he made me to fish and hunt. He put them out there for me. They're fish that have got my name all over them, all over the planet out there. I was created to fish and hunt. I love being outdoors. I just, if I didn't have a wife, I wouldn't even have a house. I'd just sleep in the woods. I love being outdoors. That just, that's my desire. And you know, some people like certain things. I'm not going to say it because it'd probably be your thing. I'd just assume have hemorrhoid surgeries. I would go do stuff like, I just, to me, it's terrible. Well, that means he didn't make me to do that. And I took my wife fishing one time. She wondered what the big deal was, so I took her one time. And I thought, this could be dangerous. What if she gets out here and likes this? Well, me and Bubba, we fished together, me and my son. So I picked a cold, windy day, and we got out there on Jordan Lake. It was cold, and the rain coming. And I drove that thing like Cruella de Vil across them waves. And she said, what do you see in this? I said, baby, it's just a man thing. You just got to love it. And that's her first and last trip right there. Listen, she wouldn't go fishing on a good day. It's just not her thing. And if you think I'm going to sit around with sticks going like this, like some folks do, that ain't happening. You know why? He didn't create my heart like that. Find what he crafted your heart to do. Quit working day and night so you can buy more stuff. Get out there and enjoy what he created. We need a balanced life. And he created all this stuff. It's called Sabbath. Sabbath doesn't mean go to church. Sabbath means take some time off and replenish. Get out of the flow so you can heal. Well, let me tell you something. Fishing is my Sabbath. Hunting's my Sabbath unless something, nothing shows up and then I'm stressed. And... No, I, I wouldn't. Now, if you, I'll work with you. Community involvement. The Bible's very clear. Seek the well-being of the land that I put you in. You need to be involved in your community. There's things he wants you doing. And let me, let me throw one more thing in there. The Bible said he created all things for you to enjoy. You are supposed to enjoy your life. One of my favorite verses, 1 Timothy 6, 17. God created all things for us to enjoy. Now, I love music. Music's my thing. I love music. I, and I don't listen to much Christian music. Sometimes I do, but not much. But I like, now I don't listen to junk music. If it's profane and filthy, I'm not going to listen to that junk. I got better things to do with my life. Besides, I like being happy. I love country music that talks about mama and dogs and trucks. I, I love that stuff. 
I like certain kinds of music. I like the Little River Band. Well, I'm in trouble now. Probably get email. You know why he created music? He created music, by the way. Satan stole it. Perverted it. He never created nothing in his life. Everything he's using, he stole from the Father. He stole sex, and he's destroyed my nation with it. Sex is one of the greatest gifts. You see, oh, don't say that in church. I'm not going to tell you he's watching. None of my business. All right. He created... <laughs> that'll go over good. He created all things to enjoy. He created food to enjoy. I knew I'd get amen out of the Baptist crowd out of that. But then again, Satan's using that to do a lot of damage. This planet, he created this place to be enjoyed. He created the most beautiful planet, created people, life, put it out there. He said, be fruitful. But what has sin done to the whole thing? It's stolen the enjoyment out of it. And so that, that we have to burden through life and struggle through life instead of enjoying. Jesus died to bring back what we lost in the garden. And you should enjoy your life. If you enjoy old trucks, get you one and shine the sucker and drive it. He said, what's it got to do with God? This is life. And he puts things in people's hearts. Get the father of life out of a religious box. All right, I'm going to quit. Listen to this. His will for you is a long, happy, fruitful, contributing life. A long, happy, fruitful, contributing life. That's his will. Uh, but I've got to follow his plans. It's okay, tell me how to follow his plans. You listen to me. If any man wants to do his will, he'll get it to him. It's a hard issue. Just, just get, on, get on your personal altar and say, not my will, thine be done. I'll, I've tried it my, I did, listen, I did it my way for 20 years in my life. It was awful. Because there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end result is destruction. And then I, I met Jesus, but religion caught me and taught me their way. I was more miserable religious for years and made people miserable. I mean, at least when you're raised in hell, you can get drunk for a while and forget it. But I'm telling you, following Jesus is the greatest life, day-to-day, everything possible. And morning by morning, new mercies, I say. You, you just, heart of hearts, you tell him, I want, I want your plans. He'll get you there. Listen to me. Look right here. He's not saying, you can't find my will. That is not his heart. He wants more than anything else to help you. He wants to lead you. You will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. He's got nothing to gain except the joy of seeing his children do well. Point, point him in that direction. And uh, I can have my way and my plans. and I might build a pretty good life, but it won't be as good as he could do. And you, you'll miss out the best. I, listen, I wouldn't trade the life I got for nobody on this planet. Starts out, I wouldn't be president. Who, who would want that these days? I, mean, I wouldn't trade what I got with nobody. For the goodness of our Lord. I want you to look at a verse with me before we leave. Look in the book of Job, since we're talking about jobs. Right in front of the book of Psalm is the book of Job, or Job. All right, many people talk about the miseries of Job. Read the whole book, dude. And maybe you know you should read the end of the story. A lot of people talk about how rough things are in the book of Revelation. Read the last page. I got news for you. There's a final page in the Bible. It ain't over till the fat lady sings. I think that's what it says in Revelation. I'm not sure. All right. Job went through some things. Nobody can understand them. Do not build your theology out of the book of Job. We are in a new covenant based on better promises. 
Build what you believe out of the words of Jesus Christ in the new covenant. But Job was a man who went through some hard times. People say, look, so you follow God. Look what happens. You lose everything. That's not true. I love the book of Job. To, to understand the book of Job, you have to add the book of James, where the book of James says this. Consider our servant Job. And we're going to read Job 40. But listen, consider my servant Job and look at the end of his life that was intended by God. God had a plan for Job's life. Look at the end of his life that was intended by God, how the, the Lord is gracious and good. Well, what a, what a passionate verse right there. Look at the end and see what God wanted to do for it. And of course, he went, Job went through some crazy things. I don't understand all that. But now I want you to read the ending of Job's life. This is the last chapter, chapter 42, verse 12. It says this, The Lord blessed the last days of Job more than his beginning. Let me make an announcement. The last days of your life should be better than the early days. See, in America, we think all the good life is when you're young and the old life sucks. Well, if you're in a nursing, if you're in the autumn care, whatever it is, and you, you broke down, don't do that. I mean, if you got to, you got to. But the deal is our last days should be our best days. The Bible said that the pathway of the righteous is like the shining sun that grows brighter and brighter until the perfect day. It don't go bright and then it sucks for 20 years. It should get better. The la All right, Job's latter days were more than his beginning. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels. Pause a minute. How many camels have you ever seen together in one place? Do you know what 6,000 camels would look like? My question is, what's he going to do with them? Circus don't need before. Anyway, he had 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen. That's two oxen per yoke. 1,000 female donkeys. Now, here, the question is, Listen to me. This is the will of God. Right. He said, I don't want a thousand donkeys. Well, you're missing the point. The point is he was good to him, right. took care of him. We got to get off the stinking theology that, Lord, I'm just struggling through as a wayfaring, egg-sucking pilgrim till I see glory. Buy you a Bible. All right, verse 13, he had seven sons and three daughters called the name of the first Jemima. That's where Jemima came from. Keziah, Karen, Hupak, that means different things. Verse 15, in all the land there was found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job. God gave him beautiful, gave him a beautiful family. Had the greatest sons, the greatest children. Now watch this. Their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. Did you realize Job is the first equal rights advocate for women in the Bible? All through the Bible up to this point, the boys got everything, the girls got nothing. Job's the first man in the Bible to say the girls deserve everything the boys get. Who's the greatest perpetrator of equal rights in the Bible? Come on, y'all, take a wild guess. J-E-S-U-S. -E I didn't say B-A-P-T-I-S-T. I'm to my Jesus. Anyway, he blessed them all. All right, verse 16. After this, Job lived 140 years. No, thank you. 85, 90 is enough saw his children and grandchildren four generations. Job died old and full of days. We have seen the end intended by the Lord. You know why? This man found God's will for his life. And, and why didn't the Bible say he did the will of God? It said he was blessed financially. He was blessed in his business. His family did great. He enjoyed good health. Because this is the will of the Father for your life. Is a long, I'm going to say it again. A long, happy, fruitful, contributing life. That's his ultimate plan. I can't explain why things don't go that way sometimes. I just know this. We're going to shoot for the best. Right, all this boils down to one thing. Here it is. Thy will be done. Amen. Thy will be done. If you say it like this, thy will be done. 
You've had some terrible teaching, Doc. You would crawl across broken glass to get his plan for your life. All the money in the world couldn't replace what's in my heart. All the money in the world can't buy a good marriage. And I want to give you a promise to, to leave with. And you need, listen, I'm not asking, I'm commanding. You memorize this promise, you hear me. Learn to quote this verse. Put it up somewhere, remember it. Philippians 1, 6. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. He does not stop what he starts. Right. I'm going to give you a testimony. I got saved. Nobody discipled me. I didn't know. I was crazy as a loon. I should have been committed. And I was just wild as hell when I met Jesus. Nobody discipled me, nothing. They just said, you know, cut your hair, turn off Led Zeppelin and buy a suit. That's not the 10. I mean, where'd that come from? And, uh, so I'm trying to learn. I'm as crazy as a sprayed roach. I didn't know which end was up and trying to figure out how to live. And I'm trying to read the Bible because I took this stuff serious right off the bat. And I, I, do, I, know, I know this, that, commandment number one, thou shalt not Budweiser. It's a Baptist church, thou shalt not Budweiser. I knew that. And, and I'm trying to learn how to live and I'm learning all these crazy religious rules. And I'm thinking, well, you know, Jesus is really wonderful. I didn't know what to do. So this guy's going to disciple me. Wait he couldn't even run his own stinking life. I don't know why he's going to run mine. And, and uh, I'd been saved about a month, and a friend invited me to a party. So I go to this party, and we're sitting around. I didn't get out of line. I think I drank Budweiser one or two. And when I was younger, I'd have a beer or 12. But now I'm saved. I'd, I just think I had one or two. No big deal. Didn't cuss the whole time. I was better then than I am now. Didn't cuss the whole time. Didn't go home with no wild chick. Nothing. I just at this party. Nice to friend. Good. You don't have to run from your friends. I'm just this party. And man, I think as a Friday night, the next Sunday, he got, he called me, he said, I understand you went to that party Friday night. I said, yeah, it was wonderful. You should have been there. <laughs> oh, that went over like a pregnant pole vaulter. That didn't clear the bar so well. <laughs> he lit me up and he told me, God's done with you. He said, it's over, son. Don't call me again. I thought, two Budweiser's and he's done? You know what I thought? Well, I'm glad I found out I wasn't going to make it much further than this anyway. He's so full of crap, his eyes were turning brown. Where did this come from? I mean, I, and that is what religion does to you. It tells you, you better get it right. You script, it's over. Nonsense. He who began a good work in you, he will be faithful to complete it till the day of Christ Jesus. I'm not advocating living like a devil. You know that. I'm just saying this. He knew you before he got you. He really wants to show you what he got you for. You need to pray a simple prayer. Thy will be done. Amen. And help me to mean it. Yeah. And then you pray that every day. Just say, Thy will be done. Yeah. All right, he's got a, fold, it's a folder on his desk. Mm -hmm. It's got your name on it. Mm -hmm. If you could see the inside of it, you would go. That's what I want right there. Yeah. We need to knock the religion off and get to the reality of his word. Yeah. Okay, you know what old preachers doing there, don't you? Amen. Amen. All the people said, Amen. No, all the people said, Thy will be done is what they ought to say. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we love you and praise you and thank you. How could anybody that put the smile on a baby's face, painted the coastal sunset, came up with the colors of the rainbow, which was yours to start with, how could anybody that's so creative and so beautiful create such a dull life that we think religion's painted? I want to praise you and thank you. I delight to do your will. Your plans are wonderful. My heart longs for every person to find your best for their life in their relationships with people, learning how to treat people, getting hooked up with the right people. Because there is a friend that's closer than a brother. 
I want people to find the right vocation. I want them to learn how to live before you. I want them to find the fellowship with you. Thy will be done, I beg you. In my early days, I was taught you have to do His will whether you like it or not. I'll pay you to do your will now because I've seen how good you are. Pray for every person in this room a revelation of the goodness of the Lord. And Lord, I'm going to pray tonight for people that have messed up, which is every single one of us. How many times has the broken road that led me to you, how many times have I had to crawl back up the embankment and get back on the road? Lord, that's the problem. That's what the problem with a narrow road. I keep falling off of it. But I thank you so much. There is always a place for a U-turn. There's always a way to get back on the road with you. And I thank you and praise you that if you, if you lose somebody, you go after them. You don't kick them to the curb like religious people do. I'm praying pray for every person in this room. They can start over every morning. I think that's why you said in your word, morning by morning, it's new, new mercies, I see. We're going to get up every day and look up and say, Thy will be done. Thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that you're alive and you're good. And I trust you for every single person to find your best for their lives. Father, we don't want to get to the, other, to the streets of glory and be standing before you and look back and say, that's what it could have been, huh? I want everybody to have your best. I trust you and praise you for that. We give you the praise and glory. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.